Hey, everybody. So as promised, I brought back the wonderful, beautiful Miss Penny Pierce. Um, it, it's such a blessing to, to have you in front of me, Miss Penny, you know, to to see you and talk to you is like I, I my, my my body just resonates, you know. I'm glad. Yeah, well, I enjoyed our last um, interviews a lot. Just the free form, casual, spontaneous nature. Yeah, and, and that's what I, I look to do here today. You know, um, the last time we, you know, we spoke through through email, you know, you were telling me about, you know, you were just feeling overwhelmed, if I can use that word. And, and yeah. you yeah. know, you just needed needed to, to relax and, and unwind a little bit. Do you, would you care to share, you know, what you were going through? Uh, it wasn't a, like an emotional thing. It's more that I started writing a new book. And mm -hmm. when I start, when I get into that mode, um, it's a certain kind of focus that I need. To, and then I maintain, I write every day, you know, I try to keep the, the momentum going. But then I was getting a lot of um, phone calls, you know, a lot of clients, uh, podcast interviews and things that chop up my day too much and make me shift gears, you know, like, I really love this mode, but it's so different from the kind of more left brain, um, slower structural thing that happens when you're writing. So I was just getting a bit frazzled with mm. all the choppiness of things. So I just wanted a bit of inter uninterrupted time. That's all. Mm. So you being the individual that you are, the spirit that you are, and, and, uh, you know, when people come to you, how, how do they come to you? Like when they, when, when people are talking to you or they come to you, you know, what, what, what do they bring to you? Uh, you mean for, to have private sessions? Yeah. Or just as far as conversation, you know, when somebody comes to talk to, to, to Miss Penny Pierce, knowing who Miss Penny Pierce is, you know, how, how do they, they, they brought you, you know, what, what kind of conversation do they bring to you? What kind of feelings, emotions do they bring to you? Uh, you know, it differs. I think uh, a lot of people are at places in their life where they're in some kind of a transition. I hear a lot that people feel stuck and they can't quite figure what's going on or how things might unfold or what's why they're stuck or, you know, those kind of things. Although I wouldn't say very many people are in um, dire straits or dramatic um, negative kinds of states. They're a lot more aware of the kind of things I generally talk about in my books, or they have read a book or two of mine. So they, I think they know what kind of mind I have, <laughs> I suppose. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Although I have had, uh, had a woman in a, a week or so ago whose son had been murdered, you know, so, so sometimes there is really intense stuff, but generally it's a subtle thing about how things can get turned around and start to move and unfold and where then it might likely to go and the sequencing of things and, and stuff like that. So I'm not dealing with a lot of heavy emotion generally. How many how many people do you interact with on a daily basis? Maybe four or five. Mm -hmm. Are these the the same reoccurring people? Or are they different people? Or different people. Different people. Yeah. 
mm. all the time. So, uh, you know, I ask these questions because I guess in the line of work that that you're in, you being the person that you are, the person that I guess I'm finding out that that I am. Well, I guess I, I always knew I was, but didn't know how to bring out and express. And I guess I'm finding my way in, into doing that now, you know, but I'm in a negative field. You know, I deal with a lot of trauma. I deal with a lot of pain. I deal with a lot of hurt. And, and I'm also dealing with my own trauma, my own pain, my own hurt. And it, it's, it's tough, you know, because a lot, of, a lot of the times people are coming to me with problems, you know, with, with a lot of emotion, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. You know, and sometimes I can become overwhelmed. And I was just wondering if if you experienced that as well. I have. Um, I, I yeah, I, I can imagine how if if that's what you've been through, then that makes you good at working with people who are going through it. And then that that just can tend to reinforce the old pattern that you had before. It's like a tape loop or something. It's hard to start to get out of it a bit. But um, compassion is an interesting thing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, empathy and sympathy. Somebody once told me that there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. You know, sympathy is where you're feeling for them. And empathy is you're just feeling and understanding what the whole dynamic is of something and how it's, and it's more neutral, you know, empathy, you can feel with them, but don't take it on yourself, you know. Um, and, um, and I think there's a difference then. Sympathy might be working a lot with the second chakra down in the belly, you know, where you're really feeling the whole thing that they're feeling and taking it on as if it's your own in many ways. But the heart and empathy is not an emotional center, particularly. We get mixed up about that, I think. But um, I think it really is a place of understanding, of being able to see people's vulnerabilities and see maybe their potential history and having an understanding of how everything led to certain kinds of decisions they might have made about how life is or what's good or bad about life or themselves and, um, and how, how they get stuck, but who they really are also underneath all that. You know, and so, um, so I always try to go without and and see. So that's not a neutral place of judgment. It's it's not cold. It's about it's a kind of compassion that is love at a higher level. You know, um, and so I try to go to that when I'm working with people and be a little bit more neutral and not get my own emotions involved in things, you know, even though I could easily go there, <laughs> you know, right. I mean, I've had things happen to me and in my family too. And, um, and it's not that you try to deny it, but, um, but also to indulge in it in a way um, it doesn't help anybody, I guess, you know, well, it, right. And, and, you know, I, I guess with me, like, I, it doesn't, my, my line of work, and, and when I'm talking to people, right, 
it, it doesn't trigger anything in me per se, because one, I, I, I've never dealt with addiction, right? Mm -hmm. But I have been the contributor, right? I, I have been the, you know what I mean? I, I, I have been that person and I understand from a whole different angle. And so also, you know, the, I know I'm not phrasing this right. The, the, I understand addiction, right? But I don't understand it at their level. And okay. when they come to me with these things and, and I hear them speak about what they go through, I guess in a way it does trigger my past because it makes me feel like I'm, I'm seeing what I've done to these people, people of the past. I'm feeling like, I'm, you know, they're like ghosts to me. And it's like spirits haunting me, coming to me. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm seeing the torment that I've caused people. And I guess that bothers me, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm having a hard time kind of dealing with that is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, I always think it's never just one way, you know, that it's always two souls or more that are co-creating a situation. So it's not all on you. It's not all on them. I wrote a poem once that said something about um, that in that we agreed to the, have a suffering world and the people who are suffering agreed to go into a suffering world. And then the others of us went into the suffering world with them to love them, to be in suffering with them, you know, and it's, it was like a form of our love that we knew how to do, which is, it's odd, but we do that. We, Cause souls don't, they don't have fear and pain. Do you know, we just do, let's have an experiment in the physical world. Let's get addicted. Oh, let's murder somebody or let's be killed or let's do that because the soul's just there. It's going to have all these experiences, but it doesn't degrade the soul. Now it gets stuff stuck in the mind, right? It makes rules and fears and contractions and, but the soul is fine. It's learning about what happens in the physical world. You know, so part of it is not taking a lot of responsibility for that, but also understanding again that um, what are the deepest reasons why you might have even done that, you know, in the first place. And often I think it, we are kind of like anthropologists, you know, we come in and we're like studying the human condition, <laughs> you know, like what causes uh, negativity, pain, hatred, what, what gets you out of that and gets you into back to joy and love and celebration. Uh, or, you know, we just do all these things to understand the fullness of three-dimensional reality. And, and, I, and I understand that. And I tell myself, right, at times, like, you know, this is, this was all part of what, what I went through and experienced was so that I had the ability to connect with people that I am now. Mm -hmm. Right. But if that's the case, right, then everything that I'm, I'm understanding about the, I guess the, the material aspect, as far as trauma and whatnot, 
then that would mean that that is irrelevant, right? Because I was already destined, the soul was already destined to experience what it was going to experience, whether me as a child in the physical realm was, was taking on this trauma and it was molding my personality at that time. See? I don't know that anything is really destined. I think that it's there's a combination of um, interest and free will. And it's in the present moment all the time that you want to have an experience and understand a certain phenomenon and that we will draw, find that one way or another. Uh, I don't think it's all set up for you ahead of time. You are in charge of what you want to do. And, um, you know, so I, I, there's no helplessness involved, I guess is what I'm saying. There's no victimization really. So how do, but how does that control the soul then? If the soul is eternal and I'm just, I'm just a body, you know, for, for use of the soul to experience the physical realm, how does that, how does me being the physical body have the choice to control the soul? You are the soul. You are the soul materializing a physical body and personal reality, personality. You are creating your lifetime along with everybody else contributing. It's not just you alone in the world making yourself up. You know, it's a co-creation of many forces, but you through your choices and through your, um, you know, maybe like, let's say we died in our last life and, and had remorse about something and said, well, in my next life, I'm gonna do this. Or maybe you were a, a nun or a monk, you know, in, in behind the walls in a safe environment, just praying to God all the time. And then you start feeling contained and you say, well, in my next life, I'm gonna go out and see the world. I need to balance myself out. I'm gonna travel. I'm gonna, you know, not be walled up anymore. And so I think we do that at the end of our lifetimes. We kind of take inventory and see where am I balanced or imbalanced. And then when we come back in, there's that loose pattern that we're bringing with us of, um, yes, I'd like to, I, me, maybe I was a minister in my last life. Well, oh yeah, I want to do it this time, but I don't want to be a minister about it. I'm going to do it in a more modern way. Uh, You know, and, um, but there are things that that's karma, I guess, you know, and, but that we, have this, and it's not a mental, you know, I will do that. It's not like left brain. It's a general feeling of balance, imbalance, and what needs attention and what had enough attention. And, you know, and those things get drawn into existence from that higher level. So um, I think it's important not to say I have a soul or the soul out there somewhere, because you're it right now in the here and now. And there's a whole lot of you still out in the higher realms as well. It's like so, we're the tip of the iceberg, reverse iceberg, you know, <laughs> coming down here. So is that a problem that maybe that we have as humanity is that we're trying to separate ourselves from the soul as saying like, you know, I have, you know, my soul on my shoulder or this little voice in my conscious yeah. or whatever, being that I am the soul? Well, I think it's a natural um, repercussion of coming into the body and feeling separate from other bodies, thinking this space where the air is, is empty, 
you know, right. and that we're all separated from everything else. Whereas in spirit, it's all one big unified thing. And, and you think of somebody, they think of you, it's all happening simultaneously and harmoniously. And there is no fear. You know, it's, it's just works. You come down here and suddenly things fragment into time, space, matter. And then we get the mind that has a different aspects. And then we, you know, the left brain makes decisions and def definitions and rules. And we get so fragmented. So that that whole thing of separation, it's like here I am in the physical world of pain and suffering. And heaven is certainly not here with me. It's out there somewhere. So that means the soul or God is out there somewhere. But really, when you start to open up and raise your vibration, you realize, oh, wait, spirit's in matter. It's not separate. There's no separate realm. It's the inner self of all of us that's causing us to materialize the way we do. You know, so I always say we have an inner blueprint that is made of um, the soul's want or desire the, the rules that the mind has made, the old emotional traumas that we might have inhaled and never exhaled again, and we're still holding energy. And then when you incarnate, you're coming in through the filter of all that stuff. And that comes back into your personality in some way, right? And then you work it out. But I think when we incarnate again, the issues we bring in are never repeated in the same intense way. Like I know that in my last lifetime, I died of tuberculosis at age 50 and after suffering for a long, long time. Well, in this life, I came in with like literally with lung problems from day one and had pneumonia several times when I was little and chronic bronchitis for till I was about 14 till I outgrew it. But that's not dying from tuberculosis. You know, so it was a lesser similar problem that I could work my way through and clear. And that often happens, you know, in the way we grow and evolve ourselves. Do, do souls travel within the DNA of the, the bloodline or is it just, is it just random? You mean, are they passed through? So, DNA? so, so like as, as, as far as my bloodline, am I, the soul that's in me, is it some distant ancestry from, from along my bloodline or is it just anybody from any point in time? Okay. I think when we, I think we, our inner pattern of that inner blueprint, if you've had woundings or, um, you know, injuries or something, they often say, you know, a birthmark is a place where you got hit by a sword or something in a past life. Uh, those things will show up again in the physical, but because you're they're in your inner blueprint. That means it comes in through the DNA and the DNA is part of the inner blueprint you carry with you from lifetime to lifetime, but it's you carrying it. Okay. And, but and let me, let me get this a complicated dis, uh, explanation. So, um, as you learn to clear the fear and heal the wounds of the past that are in the DNA, that clears in the DNA. And then therefore it may not be necessary for you to get, uh, you know, like Parkinson's 
in this life just because somebody in your ancestry had it. You can clear your DNA because as you clear fear, your body changes to match that new inner blueprint. Okay. Now, um, when we incarnate, uh, often you will find you'll be drawn together with a group of people who have similar wounds, karma, uh, expertise, you know, issues, so that you work it out together, you, you bring it in together. And so the DNA of your parents or your lineage may have had souls who are working out similar things, you know, but you basically are the one that creates your own blueprint. If does that make sense? You're not incarnating other souls from your lineage. Got it. Okay. So that, that, that sums it up for me then. So it's more like you're, you're aligning with similar beings who contribute there. It's like you're in a big soul group above that has a similar frequency level, you know, and, you know, cause I've seen this perhaps of um, a way back in somebody's lineage, maybe the father killed somebody and then that's been kept a secret. Then the kids Everybody picks up telepathically on this idea of somebody having killed or died or something wrong and that this isn't good, but they don't know what it is consciously. And then those kids will either become violent or they will sometimes commit suicide because of the death vibe or picture that's telepathically there. And then because they did it, then their generation will pick up on that secret and go through something that's similar. And it's all because the thing was never cleared in the field of the family lineage. I got that. Okay. I got that. So yeah. in, in, in that, in that case, then the issues that's going on, you know, say between my daughter and I, right. Because I left her at a young age, I came home, she was a teenager. Um, and throughout that whole time, you know, I feel like she was never taught uh, what what a father is. You know, she was never mm-hmm. taught to that she had to respect her father, that she had to listen to her father. She was never taught that even though I was gone, you know, there was never that respect that, you know, even though your dad is not here, you still have to listen to what he says. That was never put in her. So now if you was to ask her what a father means, she wouldn't be able to answer that. She may try to give you the definition of what a father is, but she wouldn't be able to answer what it meant to her because it means nothing to her. Mm-hmm. So, and how you just explained, right? Because my spirit, my soul, my whole universe is, is, is aching because I know that this child, this human being was my rock through so much fire and so much tribulation this is this is what got me through so much and now to be home and even further apart than what i was then is very very hard on me mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. how uh well you know that that trauma of being separated from a parent 
you know, especially, I think, I don't know if it's worse for daughters and fathers or what, but um, there's a certain protection, a certain warmth of being held or cuddled and feeling safe and, you know, all of that that you get from a father. And you get that sense of direction, hopefully without anger, you know, and you start to understand male consciousness when you're a girl. Um, and so, of course, having that separated from you and not having it physically is upsetting. It's all, it's almost, it's, um, I think in some cases it can be terrifying, but it can also then feel so insecure, you know, that that's why the anxiety, the terror, the like, what am I going to do feeling happens. And then, then to cover that over, people get angry, right? They got to project that somewhere, somehow, so they don't have to keep feeling it. And so anger is a good one because you can like throw it, throw it at something, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it I, makes but, you feel good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a temporary relief, you know? It's a temporary win. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but I think that we have vibrational memory in our bodies and in our being like we know what it's like to have loving parents we know what that's like that ideal condition of having safe loving parents who teach you and and guide you and and love you and um they're unconditional but they're also going to tell you don't run across the street without looking both ways you know there is that feeling of the combination of those things being safety. All she has to do is really be willing to go into her more imagination and visualize and feel that ideal reality of how it would feel and then let you be part of that, you know, and you can go in and do the same thing. I think that we can bring back the, the feeling state of having had what we wanted by imagining that we have it which is, I think, a little weird, but it also is about forgiveness. You know, to me, forgiveness, I never did understand it very well <laughs> growing <laughs> up. Uh, but I've come to, to, to the conclusion that it's really just let things be the way they are. Let things be the way they were. And then you let yourself be the way you are. You give space to others and you give space to yourself. Now you've got a little neutrality where you can view the situation and see, well, what was really going on with that other person or what was going on with me that I did these things. And then you can communicate about it or you can get clear and get rid of the shame, guilt, blame, et cetera. Um, I'm, and I'm, return I'm, to center. That's, that's so beautiful. And, and I'm so glad that you said that because not only is that a segue, but that goes into another uh, big altercation in my life is, is again, relationship. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm told that I may not have empathy. And this goes into what we were talking about earlier when you said the difference between you know, uh, uh, so yeah, sympathy and empathy and compassion and so forth. Yeah. So, so being what I've been through, 
and seeing the things that I've seen as a human being, right? I know that I have become desensitized in a lot of sense, right? And it's hard for me to become emotional because I understand that emotions are just a, a tool per se, that it's not my physical person, that it's just a reaction to, to, to an event, right? Whatever that event is. And that these emotions are a physical part of my being for understanding and growth, mm-hmm. right? And for me, you know, uh, I, when I'm dealing with people that may not be as desensitized as I am, who get very emotional very quickly or, or however, it's hard for them to understand where I'm coming from. And I don't know if I'm correct. I have no idea if I'm even right. Maybe, I'm, maybe I am a psychopath and I'm speaking like a Ted Bundy. I have no, no clue, right? And this is what I'm really trying to find out. This is why uh-huh. my connection with you is important because mm-hmm. I want to know who I am because I want to be the best human being that I can be while I'm here in mm-hmm. this event because I want to grow, you know, eternally, internally. And I just want to get closer to God with each time I enter into a body. Uh, well, the fact that you're even thinking about it shows that you're not a psychopath. <laughs> You know, and uh, also I think there's a big difference between being desensitized and being neutral. You know, desensitizing is often because of a feeling of overwhelming emotion, negative emotion, wounding that that an emotion is, you know, it's a weird thing because I always think of this more subtle level of emotion is about feeling and feeling is sensation physically. You pick up on expansions and contractions in the body. You know, it's, it's just plain sensation. But it's also that ability to, who, you know, have a felt sense of, of subtle things, you know, like beauty. You know, when you look at a peony or something, a beautiful flower that's like incredible and you go in and you you really look at it and you feel like who created this or why look at the life of this thing and how it just keeps blooming and having all these petals and oh my god it's an amazing thing and you go into that and then you feel that sense of um lusciousness or audacity of a flower you know um that's not exactly emotion, but that is the ability to, um, to, what's the word I want? I like um, experience subtle states of being in yourself. It's the ability to experience, not to know. Experiential. It's, it's it's like, it's a combination, I guess, of being able to feel things in the body and know them tactily, sensorily, but also have the mind involved so that it can register that and say, oh, wow, look at this. Oh, this is amazing. So that's, an emotion can be the way over extension and almost taking you out of the feeling state sometimes. Uh, it's like a distraction at times. 
and I get angry, right? I, I get angry because, man, I, you are so on point, right? You're so on point. And, and before I get into that, right, I, I want to just touch on that. The anger issue is, is that I don't even want to deal with that. Like when, when we get into an argument, right? She wants to, to go back sometimes and discuss, you know, what was said, what was done, things of that nature for processing. I, I understand, but like, I don't even want to do that. I don't even, because of the negativity of it, I don't even want to even be involved in negativity anymore. Right. right? Well, that's what you're talking about by going back. Like you said this, I said that, you know, that's like jousting, you know, let's see who can knock each other off the horse. It It's oppositional and polarized. So when something comes up like that, because there's no win on this, you know, it's like somebody wants to win and make their point. I think that there has, you have to say, okay, that's a surface level that what happened, but let's go under that. What started this in the first place? Or what was the deep, deepest reaction that we both had that was felt threatening to us? And then what is the true thing that we both had that is the, the loving point that we were trying to make or the loving experience we were trying to have? So mm -hmm. drop it down. What's before that? You know, what's core? core? Let's take it back to the core. And then talk about what's really real, what you would like me to do with you and what I would like you to be, do with me and how I want to be with you and how you want to be with me. Those are core things. Well, see, uh, but I, I know that I'm a lot of the issue, right? I, I know I'm a lot of the issue because I have, <clears throat> I have the ability to go so internal, right? I have the ability to, to just go internal for, for whatever reason for days and just not associate with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm, I'm just in a different plane and it, and it, it's, it's weird. And, you know, I, I'll sit on my back porch sometimes and I want to get into what you were saying earlier about just being one with everything, right? It, I'll sit on my back porch sometimes and I'll just look out and I have a pretty serene view and, and I'll just, I'll just look. And it's not that I'm looking at one particular thing, but I'm looking at everything and I'm just watching everything. And just like how you said about the air, I imagine that it was just not too long ago, I was just out there for hours and I'm, I'm looking at the air and I'm imagining the, imagining the air as if it was the same as water, only not as dense, not as thick. Right. So as, as, a, as, a, as a, a whale would push his fin through the water and you would see the current of the water swim, you, you, the air does the same thing. Yeah. So with that in my mind, Right. And I'm connected now because there's something connecting me to the tree, to the birds, to everything else. Right. And this is what's going to take me really into the premise of the show, because I'm sitting on this porch and I'm just I'm I'm registering. Right. I'm just there and I'm just not thinking about anything. I'm just registering everything that's going on. The birds that are, are singing things of that nature. And I'll mess with nature because I have different birds recorded because I have all kinds of different birds out there. So if there's a particular bird out there, say a crow, 
I'll play my crow recording and I'll watch how he reacts, you know, to the recording. So it's just me playing with nature and being one with nature is where, like you said, yeah, it's, it's not emotion. It's just, it just is right. Yeah. States of being states of being. And when I feel like that, when I'm there is when I'm closest to God, right? I don't feel like I need, uh, I don't feel like I need a particular religion. I don't feel like I have to be in a church. I just, that is when I feel closest to God. And that is when I can be my most honest with myself, right? Yeah. And, and, and just filter myself and, and being there. I want to be there all the time. I don't even want to come out of that state, but yet outside elements are pulling me out of that state constantly. And I get aggravated, you know? Yeah. But they're in the field too. They're made of the same stuff. So nothing is pulling you out of the state except your mind. You know, your daughter comes in, she's like the tree or the crow, you know, it's all, flowing it the flow is flowing through everything everybody even every emotion every uh, wave every contraction expansion it's all the flow so but i'm a creator if i'm a creator right because this is how i view life is is if i'm a creator then my daughter and all them yes they're creators of their own universe but i'm in my own universe creating my own universe or is this all one realm i, I, I didn't both. mean to cut you it's off I'm both. Sorry, but... it's like at at a higher frequency we're all in it together co-creating a reality for each other and ourselves it's both whatever i offer helps a lot of people and whatever they offer helps me and what i need next somebody says it and i get it you know or vice versa it's Timing is really perfect. So what I notice is important because I'm making my reality real to me in each moment. I'm saying, oh, I, I noticed that I just felt cheated by the guy who just did some work on my house. Okay, do I want to feel cheated? No, but I'm still going to call up the company and say, um, I'm not really happy with this. Is there anything we can do? But not angry. But it's a way to engage with uh, patterns, um, you know, why it didn't work out perfectly in the first place. Well, there's some reason I needed to talk kindly <laughs> to the people. And guess what? They came back and they fixed it for free and did a great job, you know, because my energy, I kept it at a level that was the same as their response, if that makes sense. But it but does. so every everything, it's like I said at the beginning, I was getting agitated too by having my day chopped up into pieces when I just wanted and needed to concentrate on writing. Um, and yet the people who come in at that time often give me stories or anecdotes of things that are going to go in the book, you know, or, you know, mm. sometimes it weaves together really perfectly. And then at the same time, I'm, it's okay for me to say, I need some space. I want to have a week of uninterrupted time, you know, fine. You know, it, it's all okay. 
But I got the thought that I really wanted to take uninterrupted time. And so I trust that and then I act on it. And as soon as I didn't feel that anymore, I opened back up to do more talks and get out involved with people again. You know, but it's like moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. But stay with it, engage with what's arising in the field. You know, when you're on your back porch and you're, you know, communing, that's what's arising in that particular way. But then when you're dealing with your daughter or whatever, and you're, she's saying, well, I want to process this. You said this and you say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, that's, that's a reality. And uh, there's another layer to that. Why don't we see if we can go into that one? Hmm. You know, it's all the same, really. Got it. So, so there's no one precious state that's better than another state. It's all interesting. But at a certain point, you have a preferred state that you like to be in. And that's what I call your home frequency, you know, but and it's different for different people. And maybe it's even different at different times. Like you love that state of communion and quiet, you know, and I do, too. But I also like just cheerfulness and engaging with people and, um, you know, getting to know new things or whatever, you know, those are things that make me feel like me, whatever I am, you know? That's interesting. So, because I, I, I didn't look at it like that, I always felt like every human being wanted to achieve the highest frequency as possible, but the way that you put it, and I guess that would make sense in, in, in you know, uh, uh, harmonic value is, is, I guess people can function in lower frequencies because that's just where they want to be at. That's, they just, operating. that's all they know so far. Got it. What I have experienced is that if you can show people that there's a better way that they can get it and that it's uh, not um, scary, they'll jump on it every time. You know, it's, it's, they resist when it seems scary or that they're going to have to give up something that's their comfort zone and they don't know how they'll get from A to B. And, and so then they just go into overwhelm and, you know, shut down. Got it. Yeah. But it's, it, that's part of being a teacher, I think, too, or, you know, a healer is how do you help people get that translation and that bridge from one state that they're habituated in? to open up to see that there's something more interesting or easier or more fun that they can do it a little differently. And it doesn't have to be a huge leap. It can be a one step depending on what kind of nature they have. You know, some people like leaping. <laughs> right. And, and how do you do that? How do you do that, Ms. Penny? Like, because that's, how do you get somebody to understand that that person is all they need, right? Like for me, I guess at the state that I'm at, my childhood, I needed, I needed a certain love from other people for whatever reason. And I was putting all of my confidence in what other people thought of me versus myself. So when I'm dealing with human beings that I know is in that state now, right? I see myself in them. 
how do I reach a grown person, not a child, but now a grown person who's set in their ways? You know, how do you get them to understand that you've been really living other people's lives and not your own? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, as children, though, we do. We the way we love our parents is to agree with them, because um Sometimes it's just about survival, even though inside yourself, you know that your parents aren't really um, as wise as you would hope, you know, that there's mm -hmm. a sense that they're a little bit blind or blocked or doing stuff that you would never do, but you're so little, it, it, it's not ever verbalized in your head, but you just know, and then you want to help them, you know, and you want to be with them, but you also need feedback so that, you know, it's like sonar, it goes out and bounces off of them. Now, if it's a really true loving experience, you don't get that reverberation, you get connection. And that feels really good. If they don't know how to love or do what you, you know how to do, because kids bring their spirit in with them so much, then mm -hmm. you get this bounce back thing. And it feels really confusing and upsetting and sometimes painful. So then you learn how to please them in the areas where they they think love means agreement. Do you know what right. I mean? It's like, do. they don't know what love is there, but you agree with me and then I'll relax and feel comfortable. So we learn to do that. All right. And that's, you know, a habit I think we have to outgrow because um, you can love people without having to agree with them. Right. This is true. Um, yeah, I and love so a lot anyway, of people so, that I don't agree with. Yeah, and and um, and you're gonna survive. Your friends will change. You know, if people come and go, if you agree with, if you disagree with somebody, they may just get sick of it and go off to be with people they agree with. You know, right. <laughs> uh, but the more evolved you get, and the higher your frequency, the more you find something about everybody that's interesting. You don't have to have just one person or some special thing that lets you feel like as though the outside world will provide me with this special feeling that I need to have, then I can relax. You know, that's like you need agreement from the outside world. Um, so, so you just learn to feel the love, period. You know how to go into yourself and you feel it. You know how to feel the air you know how to you know how to be with the love and there's plenty of it <laughs> you know it's what there we is. are you know we don't need to get any more you know it, it's we're not lacking in it except where we think we're lacking in it you know right. so the the big deal is that let's play in it let's create in it with each other i don't you don't have to give me love but if you want to play with me in the love then that feels like love you know it feels great and i think there are ways to explain that like if you were going to explain things to a five-year-old right you know you could make it really simple and fun and uh you know like uh arguing about you said this you know you did this that tit for tat thing it's it's like you know, you can say, you know, this is just kind of a waste of energy. Let's talk about what's really the real thing here, because it doesn't really matter what we said. 
let's focus on something deeper, you know? Well, and that, and that, I mean, that goes right into, again, what, what I want to, to sum up with is, is word choice and the power of mm -hmm. what words are and how we use them recklessly every day <laughs> and, and the things that we say. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it takes me back again to where I'm on the porch and I'm, and I'm looking at how when the bird flaps his wing, how it pushes the air and it may affect the leaf. And I, and I imagine if, if my words done the same thing and because I can't see my words, that doesn't mean that they're not there. Right. And understanding what vibration is, understanding how the throat works, you know, understanding what words are, right. You start to, to just think about it. Like I can change, I can literally change the outcome of somebody's life with three words. You know, I hate you. I love you. And that can alter people's lives, Yeah. you know, and that's the power of words. And we say them, we say these three words every day, all day long, you know, without yeah. really thought. And, yeah. and when we're putting emotion and compassion behind these words, you know, or hate, so, or, or hate, or anger, you know, you know just, sarcasm is a real violent thing to do. And I'm very sarcastic. You know, <laughs> I am, I'm a very sarcastic person. And I've really tried to, to numb that down some because I do, especially in text, I've offended a lot of people in text being sarcastic. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, well, I think that, um, you're you're so right. I'm I'm very aware of that myself. I I even think thank you is a, such a powerful thing. You can change somebody's whole reality with that, just to feel actual real gratitude. So one thing that occurs to me is that we speak too fast. We react too fast. That if you sit really and listen fully, without tr second guessing them and thinking what you're going to say to come back at them. And actually let it sit there and come into you all the way and have a little pause, you know, huh? Uh, and, and then, you know, they always teach you active listening. Well, then you say, well, I hear what you said, or I hear that you were talking about this, which acknowledges the other person. That's a great practice just to take that little extra time <laughs> that we think we don't have and validate the other person's point of view. Mm -hmm. Uh, that can really be helpful. But also notice if there is any emotional tinge to what you're saying. And sarcasm is often, um, I think it sometimes comes from the fact that somebody hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them back without even realizing it. You know, it's a way of like throwing little darts at somebody, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and there are also other kinds of put downs that are, um, they are veiled forms of aggression. So you have to look at yourself. I'm not saying you, but we have mm -hmm. to look at ourselves to see what kind of person do I want to be? Do I want to um, be a, um, a violent person in any way? Do I want to, like to say nasty things to the guy who, who did the work for me, like, well, that looks like shit, you know, <laughs> no, 
I'm thinking it, but then I try to change my thoughts even because I'm telepathically connecting to him. And but if it does look like shit and, and, and then I this... call up and I say, look, this is not what I asked for. And I, and talk it out um, on a more factual basis. It doesn't have to have an emotional overlay. You can say, mm-hmm. um, this is what we agreed for. This doesn't work for me. Very factual, you know, what can we do about it? Stuff like that. You're going to always hit a lot of irrational, emotional people who aren't going to co- cooperate. But I always say, just stick to talking about things in a kind of a, a simple, factual way. Like, you know, the way this conversation is going just doesn't actually work uh, because we're just throwing things at each other. Or one person's talking and the other one's like shut down. Well, how that's not physics. Physics doesn't work that way. <laughs> Do you know? Right. It's physics. So let's get it so it actually works. How would that be? You know, like figure it out. Um, so, you know, and and like you said that the desensitization and then the the tendency to want to just stay in that other realm that you can stay in for a long time. Um, other people are not going to understand that necessarily about hmm. you unless you do explain to them in conversation that I love getting into these states. And it allows me to get clear because otherwise I have a lot of commotion. And so if you see me being quiet, you'll know it's not because I don't like you. <laughs> it's because right. I'm in my state. And then maybe give them a way to say, hey, uh, knock, knock. Could you come out to play? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Can you come out and talk to me for a minute? Or something, yeah. you know? Um, so... I, I, you know, I'm hearing everything and, and, and all of this really revolves around ego, right? Would you, would you agree that, that most of this is ego? No, no, no. I think a lot of it is wounding, early wounding and self-protection. Well, what now, is ego, ego can grow out of that. It can what, be about being superior and untouchable by being in control. Well, is ego a negative word? Is it a negative? Is, is well, it just a negative? I think there's debate about just a that. Thing? Some, some people think it's your sense of self. I don't. I think that the ego comes from too much left brain activity, which is, you know, where you feel separate from everything. And so there's a fear-based structure to it if it goes too far where you have to make rules and try to keep things from changing. And then you become um, invincible and have control over your reality. And in that regard, then you block your, your understanding of yourself as the soul. And that, excuse me, that understanding and experience of yourself as the soul comes from the right brain, which is the intuitive part which allows you to have direct experiential immersion into the field that you were having on your back porch to be one with things. When you go to the left brain and start cataloging and, and categorizing and describing and making rules and definitions, you lose that. It's either or. 
you know, and so, but we have been trained in our culture to be left brained and that's cool. That's, you know, educated, that's science, that's business and uh, rational. Uh, so we're overweighted in that area and too much of that. And you get narcissism. You get people who cannot feel empathy about anything. And we've seen that in many world leaders recently, you know, where, um, it's all about self-protection, you know. Well, but isn't, wouldn't that be the case though? If my number one, if my number one code in my DNA is survival, like survival first, is, is that narcissistic in itself? Isn't, isn't that, isn't that about me furthering who I am and ensuring that I am who I am and to be? Well, it might be if you weren't very evolved beyond the animal level, <laughs> but we do grow to understand that we're the soul, which is eternal, that has no death. And often, you know, what is heroism? Mm. You know, people get to the point where I, I love my life. I love life. And, you know, I know that it's not the end and that I, there are things worth dying for. That's, that's one of, I think, men's form of, of love often mm-hmm. is heroism. And um, so, no, I don't think survival is such a big factor. And unless that's you're, a, that's a good point. do you know what I mean? Unless you I haven't do. evolved enough to understand your inner self or higher self, or that there's more to life than just the physical body. And you're not just your body, Right. There's so much more to us. Well, I guess, you know, yeah, you have things that, that you'll, you're, you know, you're, you're willing to die for, but isn't, isn't the experience for the growth of the soul as it comes in, isn't, isn't my vessel here for the soul to, to experience. And if I commit suicide, if I do drugs and and just kill off the, the body wouldn't that upset the soul soul doesn't have emotion soul is fine it is having an experience of three dimensions through many many lifetimes it it doesn't get affected much by things it sets you back you know in the kind of incarnation you're going to have next because you have to get over the thing you just did by killing yourself out of that erroneous perception that caused you to, what, why would we get addicted by making numbness, you know, important or, you know, anger or whatever it is, Um, those things got out of hand and we forgot who we really were. We forgot who other people are. We didn't get the lesson of the oneness. So, okay, now I'm gonna come back in, I'm gonna do the oneness thing again, I'm gonna try. Hopefully not carry over the wounds you know, with us, like I said about, I think in the subsequent lives, they're not as strong, but they're still there to some degree. So in, in, in all of this, how important is honesty with everything going on today, right? And, and as we touched on earlier, you know, everything going on, fake news, fake realities, filters, people yeah. saying they are who they're not, all of this, <laughs> right. you know, how does that play into life as it is right now? What's happening 
I think we're in a process of clearing ourselves of all the stuff that blocks us from knowing that we are the soul. And especially people who are starting to wake up and getting on a spiritual path are very intent on clearing themselves and becoming transparent. And uh, when you, the more you clear the fear and the wounding out of yourself by understanding it, the more of the soul actually comes in and creates the personality at a better and better and better level with greater love and wisdom and so forth and health. Um, and then you can see through, the more clear you become, the more you can see through other people's stuff. You can see who they really are. Then you become better at not going into the jousting matches with them. Because why? You know, it's no point. Let's go to the, and talk about the real thing. Let me show you who you really are. You know, and. But my ego still affects me though. I still don't know how to get over that. If I'm accused of doing something that I didn't do, my that's what I feel like it is, is ego and pride that wants me to correct them and get mm -hmm. into a jousting match. No, I didn't do that. No, I was here at this time, you know? Mm -hmm. All I can say is let it be. Let it be. Let them have their perception and then just be yourself. And because they're doing it because you have it in you and you would do it to others. Turn the it's, other it's just there because it's happening. You know, I have this thing called, I call it the law of correlation. It's that whatever's going on inside you often has a, a uh, counterpart in the physical world. So the non-physical and physical always do the same thing at the same time. So if you got somebody doing that to you, it's also in you as a thought or pattern. That's so true. When you clear it, they don't show up anymore that way. And as you're partially clear, you'll get somebody who's partially in the pattern, <laughs> you know, or you'll be able to say, oh, yeah, I used to be that way, too. I don't feel that right now. And so let's let's, you know, move this thing along. That's so true, man. You are so spot on, Miss Penny. You're <laughs> so spot on. You really are. And this is why, again, it's it's. For me, just, just, I feel like everything that you say is how we should be and how we should live. You know, it's, it's, it's deep with me, you know, and, and I'm trying to form my life in that fashion because I have touches with it. And when I'm in those touches, I'm just at peace. Nothing bothers me, you know, and, and I can, and I can, I can turn the other cheek and, and just say, okay, you know, if that's your perception, that's your perception, you know, and, and, but just some days I'm just not as strong and I want to be strong 100% of the time, you know? I think all you can do is um, if something's emerging in your reality, like a person like that, um, then you just Im immediately get involved with it and you say, well, that must be in me too. It's not happening in a vacuum. And then you might say to the person, you know, sometimes I feel the same way about myself, you know, and I understand what you're saying. And you go, instead of being defensive, you just go into understanding. And, and that 
when you stop having the defensiveness, they stop having the attackingness. That's true. And it's just something to practice to learn more, you know, about energy. Do we talk too much? <laughs> well, I, people text a lot, don't they? I mean, it's like an addiction to having be connected socially. Um, Is texting the same? Does texting have the same effect as verbal communication as far as effect on a human being? I think a different one in a way, because uh, I think when you're talking, if you're talking about something real, then you have a feeling state, you know, you actually can read each other's bodies. Texting is just superficial and short and stupid. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a functional thing, but it's not meant to have relationships with, you know, but I think people are addicted to having connection, feeling connected. Instead of just feeling connected, they're looking for everything in the outside. Oh, I got an incoming call. You know, oh, <laughs> somebody's thinking about me. Well, like I a guess, dopamine rush, you know? I, so if I text somebody, right, go kill yourself. And this person goes and commits suicide, right? Versus if I was in front of that person and I just told the man, just go kill yourself. And they would read that it was just me vocalizing anger right? Wouldn't, wouldn't like texting, texting be as serious as, as saying it, I guess, does it, wouldn't it register on the person as the same, just a text message? Well, it could be in a way worse because it's impersonal. It's impersonal. There's no emotion to it. It's just words. There's no subtlety to it. And so it's up to the person who's receiving that text and what state of being they're in at that time, how they'll receive that text. I think so. Yeah. Whereas in person, if somebody you can read, oh, he's upset. Uh, and you can almost telepathically read the pictures in somebody's aura and say, oh, his wife got mad at him or he had a bad, you know, this something happened and I get it. You know, it, it's there's much many more subtle layers of understanding that are happening simultaneously because we have a field to read. But on smartphones, you know, I don't even use one for the same, for that reason. It's just, mm. um, it's clutter to me. Mm. Yeah. Distractions. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so many interruptions during the day. Oh my gosh. Superficial, <laughs> you know? So you and I have, have, you know, we've had several interactions and, and I want to ask you, because you're, you're an experienced human being and reading people, what do you see in me, Ms. Penny? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I feel like you're really being honest and authentic and, and vulnerable, which is, a, I think, a really good sign that you're describing things and educating us about how your process works, which is the way a lot of people still their process works, you know, and I do feel like you chose to um, open up into a spiritual path and have really been working on it, you know, so um, I think in the early stages of a spiritual path, sometimes the choices are more fundamental, uh, 
not what's the word I want, not gross, but kind of larger chunks of stuff that you're going to work on. And then as you work on it, you get right. more aware of the detail and then the subtlety of how things work. And it, it's almost like hard to talk about it because there's so many little tiny discriminations like of the inner workings of a clock. To. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I feel like you're in that stage of, of really working to learn the fine levels of, you know, dis distinguishing of different states and different ways of being and stuff like that. And um, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. And yeah. I feel like that. I feel when I go internal, that's what I feel like is I'm just visualizing in my mind, you know, um, just recently, I just went and saw the exhibit uh, you may be f familiar with it because it's it's over by you, but the uh, the human body experience, the real human body experience. Oh yeah, the visible man, invisible man, or whatever that thing is that's that shows the insides. Yeah, so it? it's it's yeah. well, this is this is an exhibit, I guess, that travels all around the world, and it's real human bodies that have been preserved through silicone and such. Oh. And all okay. the different facets without skin, a little bit with skin, it shows the human brain, mm. it shows everything, the nervous system. Um, it, 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 it touched me uh, in a way that I've never been touched before, because uh -huh. these were real human beings at one point in time that right. donated their bodies to, to science. Yeah. And the first thing I thought was, who is this person? You know, and somewhere on this planet, you've created something, you've done something. Yeah. And it made me want to go see who this person's family was and thank these people for, you know, for the contributions that they've done. Mm -hmm. But it just makes me realize how just how innocent we are, but yet how confused you know, and, and to me, it's just so simple. It's so simple. Just love one another, be honest, as honest as you can, because mistruth creates, it creates hell, you know, it, yeah. it just, it creates a domino effect. And, and I realize that because I've been part of that. And I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be mm -hmm. as honest as I can. I want to be as transparent as I can. Yeah. And I, and I just want to help humans because I know people are hurting. Yeah. I think you have to be careful too, about being honest in a brutal way. You know, people can use, we're talking about, you know, putting emotion behind your words. You can turn honesty into a weapon, you know? And, and so I think again, <laughs> always the subtlety of um, it's almost like, how would you tell some, tell a five-year-old sweet child, about what you want to say. Right. How would you uh, be kind in the way you explain something to someone? And, um, and you can tell it in stages. It doesn't have to be one big dump all at once where the, you know, like people are overwhelmed. So right. there are, uh, I think, ways of um, being honest also um, without blame to yourself, you know, or shame that look, this is what happened then. This is what I did. This is what, you know, and um, I see it and I understand it and uh, I don't recommend it, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. Yes. And I guess for me, it's, it's, 
it's compassion. I have an over since I since I guess since I've been awakened, I guess if you want to call it that, it, I just have an overwhelming sense of love and compassion for every living thing that I encounter. Mm -hmm. And I guess like yes, what you say is that honesty comes from compassion for this human being. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to brutalize anybody. I want to, I want them to know what the truth is in as loving and compassionate way as I can possibly give it to them, mm -hmm. you know, because I have compassion and love for humans because I understand we're all just trying to survive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I learned a lot by working in Japan for so many years that, um, you know, the American penchant for telling the truth about everything is not always the best way. You know, that there's something about allowing other people to save face, you know, to uh, be subtle, to not bring things up, but let them, everybody knows what's in the space anyway. So you don't have to like hit somebody over the head with it or bring it out. And because people would take responsibility for things that they don't need to. So there was a, that was unusual for me to learn that Asian way of being, hmm. um, you know, that that really honors the inner aspect of somebody, you know. That's that's awesome. So and and yeah. that's what we lack here. We lack culture in America. <laughs> we don't have culture like that because maybe, yeah. you know, we're such a mixed bunch or whatever. But we we lack as an as a nation we lack a certain fundamental culture that everybody that comes to America understands this is how we are here. Mm, mm. Yeah. Well, I think there are, are things, you know, I, I think Americans are very hardworking in general too. They're, you know, I see other countries where they don't work as hard and they think Americans are lazy, but no, Americans work like several jobs. They, you know, it's, you know. Hell, we got to pay taxes. <laughs> well, so do they in Europe. You have even more so because they have, you know, free education or health care. So they're paying for that with their taxes. But anyway, um, I think if you looked closely, you would find there is a kind of a quiet culture in the United States um, and probably if you looked at the spiritual core values of humanity, you would find it in all of the immigrants that come as well. You know, it's not like they have to practice religion in different ways. That's not it. It's about um, respecting others or trying to live right. together. I imagine the people who are coming here at a deeper level in their souls they want the American experience of the melting pot. They want to know that they don't, it's not a polarized thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And of course they're, they're hitting polarization when they come here, but hopefully we're going right to get through face. that. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get through that. You know, Miss Penny, this has been a great discussion as always. And I, I can't wait to have you on again. If, if you, you know, if you want to come back. Sure. Um, what, where, where do you see us right now as, as just humans on earth? Where do you see us and where do you see us going at the current state? Well, the polarization is the huge thing. This bifurcation of uh, like in politics or whatever. It's just, um, it's almost like there are two different 
realities existing at the same time and they don't see each other very well. But I think that, um, that like the new administration here is going, it's not bipartisan so much as it is human. I think there's more values coming that are gonna unite people, hopefully. Mm. Um, and, but that'll make the extremes even more extreme because they feel their ego dying because mm. you know they're attached to their positions uh, of being right or wrong, being dominators or victims. And those people who are in those extreme positions of dominator victim identities are gonna stay extremely polarized and more attention I think has to come into the middle where we, we bring those groups in and show them that they're all part of a larger whole that's going to take time, but that is the process underway. Is that unifying through higher vision and better systems, better education, whatever it is, you know. Um, I really feel like it's important to have diversity, but also core values are the thing that unifies us all. You know, we've got to hold those in common and allow the color. And the, you know, interestingness of all the patterns, you know, that's what makes life fun, too. It's like, oh, oh, you dress this way or you have this kind of food or, you know, interesting. Right. And and, and embracing that with love as well. Just love mm-hmm. the fact that this person is completely different from you. And that's how I look at it. Like this person doesn't think like me, doesn't act like me. What can I learn from this person? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so. <sighs> Yeah. So to sum this up, what we learned today, right, the power of word choice, you know, um, I have I am behind me, I am is one of the most powerful things that you can say, because your body registers, it, it's like, it's like turning on the engine of your car, you know, you turn on the engine, and now the engine's ready to roar. You know, when you say I am, be very careful of what you put behind it. Don't put negative, put positive. I am beautiful. Don't say I'm not beautiful. You know, I am wise. I am whatever it is that you want to be. Just put positive love behind it and and just love one another. Have compassion, understanding, and let's just all get along. (laughs) Right on. Miss Penny, I love you. You're a great human being. You really are. You're you're a wonderful and and I'm I'm so blessed that we have individuals like you, like Jordan Peterson, like, you know, all these other individuals that are really coming forward to try to teach and educate. As, as you say, we're, we're, in a, we're in a new era. This era here is going to, this, this span of time is going to be studied for a very, very, very long time. Mm. People hundreds of years are going to be coming back to this yeah. time period and looking and seeing just 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 studying us and i want to be a positive influence in that yeah that's interesting that you say that i i hadn't thought about it but yeah to to make a change globally out of that negativity and suffering space into something that is more enlightened it's going to be a, really an amazing thing happening on earth it is and and i'm yeah. seeing it happened before my eyes because I'm aware of it 
And it's a beautiful thing. It really is. So Miss Penny, until the next time, please stay safe, take care of yourself and just keep doing what you do. Okay. I will. You too. <laughs> All right. Take care. I love you. All guys. right. Thanks so much.